Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 101, I Only Date Newborns. We've got three segments on the show for you this week. First, Scott grills Don on his hands-on time with the Nintendo 2DS. Then, Alex, Josh, and Danny go over the new Pokemon Direct news. And finally, Don sits down with indie developer Niflis for an interview. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today, I'm joined by Don Koopman. Hello, hello. Hello. And uh, we're going to be talking all about the Nintendo 2DS. Uh, not just speculation and our thoughts about it. Uh, Don actually got the chance to play it earlier this week. Yes, I played the bloody um, thing. You went to Nintendo and actually got to play it, is that Yes, correct? I've been to the local offices of Nintendo Benelux, to the guys who do it for Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg, and I played it for... What is it, roughly three and a half hours? Wow. Yeah. Nice. Um. So, yeah, so the, the first thing I want to ask is just how it feels in your hands. Because I know a lot of people were sort of, I don't know if shocked or kind of interested in the uh, just the shape and the size of the thing. It's got the, the slanted back. Um, it's kind of got the, the rounded top that, you know, doesn't fold shut anymore. So how did it feel actually holding it and playing it? So... Like, the first 30 minutes with it, it was, like, a bit of an awkward feeling for me because I didn't know how to hold it. Um, mm. You have this, like, you know how to hold a 3DS and a DS because you are so used to clam- to the clamshell design. So you're kind of in the mood with that. And going to this new design, it was actually... It was actually kind of a weird thing. I had to, like, sit down and think about it a little. So... For the first 30 minutes, I I struggled and filled about with a couple of new Super Mario Bros. 2 levels. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it, it was not bad, but it, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of like, is this the correct way? Is this the wrong way? But then you hold kind of your hands around it, and depending on how you want it, you can hold it on the shoulder buttons or on the bottom. It really depends on what you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then you start kind of get in terms with it. You kind of seem to get what they're going for. It's just, if you see the pictures, it seems what bigger. It's a, it's a very compact device. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the pictures on the site, and like I I don't know if you just have big hands or if it's just small, but it, it does look smaller. Yes, uh, from my pictures, you can easily tell that it's a small device, um, and it shows. Um, I I after that additional thirty minutes, I. It just clicked in my head. I knew what this is all about. And the the buttons themselves, so the buttons you press for your usual means of control, um, worked actually quite nice. They were actually quite solid. Um, the face buttons out to the right are like a bit smaller than you're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Um, they were made for... With a younger audience in mind, I mean they're not bad. Um, even bigger hands like myself can get used to it over time. But it's something something you have to realize that they are a bit on the smaller side, I guess. Yeah. Um, and on the left side, like the uh, the circle pad and the D pad are very close to one another. I see that. Uh, yeah. And at first, I was like, I don't really get this. <laughs> um, but you, 
Being so close to one another, it gives you the easy control of just switching between the two. It really makes it easy. Um, and the circle pad is just the same as you would expect. It's still the same as like the 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 3DS and the 3DS XL. Yeah. Um, with the D-pad, however, it seems a bit le- less lesser loose. I don't know if you noticed with like the original 3DS and the 3DS XL. Where if you use it too much, it becomes a bit on the loser side. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. this was a more you more had to press it. You more had to. Had, it was more of a sturdy feel. You really had to press it down. Um, and it didn't have much room with movement. It didn't get loose all too often or way too quick. Um, so that was actually kind of interesting. What was actually kind of different. Um. And to be honest, at one half I really liked it because um, I don't really like the looser bits of it. But at the same time, like the looser opportunity makes it more it allows for a softer push. So it really depends on what you like, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were both good and negative sides about it. Sure. I mean, I mean, it was felt pretty good in the end. I kind of I'm looking at it now. I kind of like the the placement of the start and select buttons, I... and that they're actual buttons rather than down, you know, at the bottom with the home button. The the thing is, I don't really like that placement. I felt that it was better suited at the bottom, but that's personally, that's very personal. I'll admit that. Um, did you did you like? Would you accidentally pause the game, or you just no, didn't like no? No, I I don't like that they were so close to the other control options. I yeah, they had, are right there. Yeah, I would have rather had them at the bottom. But that's again, that's a personal thing. Yeah. And how about the shoulder buttons? Did were you able to reach them nicely? I mean, did they they feel okay? Yeah, they feel really good. Um, so yeah. the shoulder buttons have an completely other feel to them because they're unlike anything like used on our other Nintendo DS handheld or 3DS handheld. When I um, reached for them, I directly thought of the original Game Boy Advance. Which had this, these like curved buttons, and you really had more of like a, this clicky feel. Where with the 3DS, you really had to push them down. Um, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, they required like a harder push downward, but they were very comfortable to put your finger on. Um, it's sometimes hard to tell if you push them fully down. It is can be a bit like. Awkward, but mm-hmm. to be really frank, I think they're really great. I think they are most frankly the biggest improvement over like the previous two versions of the 3DS. Because to be really honest, those shoulder buttons on the original 3DS could easily break. Yeah, they could. I, I know a lot of people would that dust would get stuck in there, or like something would happen, and then yeah, they weren't responding or they were sticking. Yeah. So actually, I like them much better. I think they are perfectly accurate and much more suited for a handheld. Yeah. Well, good. It's interesting, too, looking at it and, and seeing your pictures, how everything's kind of shifted upward. You know, the buttons and stuff used to be around the bottom screen, and now they're kind of right in the middle, or even closer to the top screen, actually. At, fir- um, at first, this was also, like, a weird thing, because I was so used to having them on the bottom screen. Mm-hmm. But for the slate design, it actually kind of works. Because yeah. because you are more focused. When are you you are you using the button controls? You are using them for like action that is focused on the on the top screen. 
Right. So having those buttons very close to it, it gives it more like um, like a very up close feeling to it. And with no 3D there, it, it's not really a requirement to put your eyes in a certain position. Right. Yeah. So there is some elements to it that just work and make sense. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I do agree with you. I think the buttons down near the bottom screen is sort of just a relic of the, the DS because on the DS, everything used to be on the, the bottom screen, yes. uh, but now everything's moved to the top screen. And yeah, it seems to make more sense to, to kind of situate it closer, closer to that top screen, especially when you can't fold the system at all. Mm. Well, another thing of interest then is when you are playing with the stylus and this is very, noticeable with games like Kid Icarus Uprising, which many, many people had control issues with. Um, except for Neil, for some reason, but hey, there, <laughs> yeah, he, there you go. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it, and that's yeah. totally fine. I, I had control issues, and those are pretty legit, I think, as well. Um, yeah. But playing it with the Nintendo 2DS, it actually worked better. Um... Because with your left hand, you could hold like the circle pad and the shoulder button, and yeah. holding the, the the system in such a way allowed your right hand to have full control over the touchscreen, which was and it was surprisingly comfortable. It it didn't cramp your hands or it didn't you didn't have to sit around like a lame ass <laughs> uh, standard that came with the packing of the of the entire yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, that thing was awful. It Ooh. it was like the most useless thing ever, really. Yeah. And I personally think, thanks to this whole new setup, it works a lot better. Um, and the clamshell design doesn't put you in the way of actual enjoyment of the game. Well, yeah. Like I'm looking at your um your screenshot here of you actually playing Kid Icarus, and it looks so much more comfortable because your your left hand is like. Perfectly on the circle pad, and then really like cradling the whole system, so it's supporting a lot of the weight. Yeah, um, which makes it easier to use your right hand to to manipulate the touchscreen. Whereas, yeah, on the original DS, uh, 3DS, I should say, or the XL, I mean, you've got the top screen kind of, you've got that weight of the top screen, and mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of harder to maneuver the whole thing with just your left hand. But this looks much more natural. Yes, and that's another thing that of point of interest I want to bring up because the weight in the whole system. Seems more balanced. Um, mm-hmm. with, with the free- is, is it is it is it lighter than the XL? Um, I mean, or is it, it close it, enough it, that you can't tell? It's it's a bit lighter than the XL. It's more, it's more, it's in between the both systems. It's more heavier than the the regular 3DS, uh, but less heavier than the 3DS XL. Okay. Um, but the weight is balanced in such a way that you barely notice a thing. It's it's way less um, noticeable than on the clamshell designs. Right, where, where it's kind of heavier in the bottom, but if you kind of move it at all, the top screen kind of moves a little bit. You can feel the weight of the, the top screen sort of adjusting. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it, it's it was a surprisingly comfortable thing. And at first, of course, many people will think, eh, this is not for me. But actually playing it, it is interesting to see that I actually like it. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
playing through all of these games, so the games that I played are various and uh, different. So I played Kid Icarus Uprising, which again felt comfortable. Then I played some Mario Tennis Open, and I played something with the gyro controls and a bit with the regular buttons. Mm-hmm. And I got pretty quick back into it, um, moving like um, the system a little bit for the gyroscope. It shows once again that the weight has been shifted to more have a balanced feeling. Yeah. Um, so I had a little bit more time to uh, angle my shots a bit more perfectly. Um, then I played just played a game that's poorly focused on on the top screen, which is uh, a platformer like Sonic Generations, um, which I press the buttons really quick and just focus on the top screen. And having all those buttons very next to one another is actually a good thing in that fashion because it requires a lot of fast <coughs> movement in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I played also a round of Pritrip Saga. In particular, I played um, uh, Flux, which is the final game of the Bitrip series. Oh, okay. Um, and... Again, a similar thing with like Kid Icarus Uprising, holding the system in your left hand and using the stylus on the bottom screen to move your pedal back and forth. And all of these things, I I felt I could do it a little bit better with that system. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily like the best experience because the high-end experience is still with the 3DS XL. And I'll get some some of the problems in a little bit. But it's a very comparable system, and it doesn't do under for the other ones. Sure. Um, and g- going to the final bit about it, really, I also tried a DS game with it, which is Kirby Mass Attack. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I had my regular 3DS with me as well, so that I could compare. And mm-hmm. the settings on like playing DS games seems a, seems a bit nicer. Oh, really? Yeah. Versus playing on the 3DS? Yeah. I mean, on the 3DS, it's more comparable to the 3DS XL, where it's lesser awful than on the on the, on the the regular 3DS. Mm-hmm. But it has more a brighter setting, and the colors of, of the games come more vibrant back to, to the screens. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that kind of similar experience with, like, the, the 3DS. It could be because these screens are made of another sort of material, which don't use the 3D effects. Right, it's a single screen. It's not that, like, you don't have two screens over each other to give you that effect. Yeah, yeah. And it, this is also a weird thing, because I, Jeremy Parrish of US Gamer mentioned this already, but it's made of one sort of glass. So they only put some housing over it. Yeah. Um, And you can kind of notice it, because they only put some plastic over the top screen, so it's not touchable and you only see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the t- and the t- and the Dutch screen has this this lesser lower edge to it because with the 3ds XL and with the regular 3ds you had this very specified edge around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It was like it it, it was a raised edge. Yeah. yeah. And this is with the 2ds. It seems lesser raised. Mm-hmm. Um. So you could see that there were both the both screens were kind on the same level. When you actually notice that, it's like, huh, this is a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm excited for it to get to people's hands and to see someone like on YouTube 
open it up, take it apart, and, and see what that screen looks like under there. Because you're right, it's just one screen with just plastic, you know, making an artificial divider. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be interested to see what it, uh, what it all looks like. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I want to ask too, with the, um, well, I guess two, two, well, I guess uh, still a few more things. Um, the screens, are they, Comparable to the XL, or are they closer to the size of the regular 3DS? They're closer to the size of the regular 3DS. Okay. Are they bigger than the 3DS, though? Hmm. Or is it, or do you think it's um, about the same? They're about the same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you? Did they tell you anything about battery life? I mean, I know maybe with the smaller screens and with no 3D, maybe the battery would be. Maybe this would have the best battery life of any of they, them. They they couldn't really tell me because they they just got it before the weekend, so they didn't have much time to toy around with it themselves. Okay. Okay. Um. But so they couldn't really tell me that really. Sure. And then, um, how did it sound? Because I know they switched to just one speaker. They they say it, it, it's still stereo sound, but it's just one speaker now. Did it? Sound, I mean, fine. Okay, so we go then to some of the lesser things about it. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> the, the sound quality is not bad. I mean, mm-hmm. for a system that only has one speaker, it has a lot of volume to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to discredit that volume. Um, well, because I actually, I actually think the XL is kind of quiet. I think it's quieter than the original 3DS. Uh, it could just be me, but I feel like the XL isn't very loud. I mean that 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 one speaker is like they still seem it seems like it sounds like a bit stereo in some fashion, but again it comes from one side really. Yeah. Um. I mean, again, it's not bad. It's really not bad, but I you, it's kind of more preferable that you have like a headphone plugged into me. Yeah. Um. But it it it's not bad at all. Um. Let me think. What other what other other things I didn't really like? Um, so, I mean, it's of course less less portable now, which is um, which makes sense because oh, you can't buy this carrying case for it. I don't know what to think of it really. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw the carrying case in the like the YouTube video that they showed. It, it looks okay, but. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can't just throw it in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean, it, it, it's it's fine. It's it's still like a small device to carry on with you, espe- mm-hmm. especially that carrying device with it. But it doesn't seem like a device that you would t- take along with you. For, yeah, for a long for a long train ride, I can see it, but not for like uh, like a small commute or being going to work or something. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I had more steady feel again with the more rate to it, and I feel that like when I have a long ride, this could be more like the better system, more like the backseat of the car system. Yeah. Um. But it it it's a tricky situation there. I mean, I don't know what 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 the future will tell with this with this design and what people audience will take it for them. For all I know, I think people who just want to have like this more less cramped experience to them they might buy Nintendo 2DS as well mm-hmm. um but having that small audience there it, it, it's it's a it's a tricky thing but i think like both audience really benefit from it it's not like this is only solely aimed to a smaller audience they have made improvements there um they have made also some lesser things which is of course the volume and 
making it in some fashions make it a less cheaper feeling mm-hmm. um but in other fashions like you have more control over your system it feels a lot nicer so yeah. it, it it's a twofold um and it kind of depends what you actually want in a system mm-hmm. um if you have a 3ds xl i think that you won't be like be bummed that you have it because it's an excellent experience and i think that sure. that that handheld is perfectly fine if you still have an original 3DS, though, it might be something to look into. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not perfect for, like, Street Pass. You have, still have to put it in, like, this sleep mode function. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, with this toggle at the right of the bottom. And that works fine. It's a hard push, so it won't be e- easy to do. Um, but it's kind of... It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Um... And, of course, the interesting thing about, like, the notification light, since there's no more longer clamshell design, it is now, like, this very small LED at the right side of the, of the, of the system. Oh, okay, that, that's the notification light. I think I see it in, in one of your screenshots here, like, in the bottom right corner? Uh, at, the, at the top right corner. Oh, the top right, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's the, that's the power light at the bottom, yeah, okay. Yeah. The top right corner is there for Street Pass and Spot Pass now. Okay. Which is a weird thing, I can admit that, but uh, it does its job being a notification light. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it um, works. So, uh, two things that I want to bring up, two things of note, is that the, the Wi-Fi switch is gone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. So, you can't easily, like, toggle it on and off. Uh, the only way you can actually do that... Is from the menu. Is from a new setup in the menu on the on the top bar on the to- on the touch screen, uh, where you push the 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 wrench, and here you find still the brightness settings, but under it you can now turn the uh, the the Wi-Fi on and off. Oh, okay. And like street pass and that sort of functions if you are like in an airplane or something. Right, or just want to save your battery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's no longer a switch there on the right side. Uh, another thing is that the SD card slot no no longer goes out of it. It now goes to the inside. It's it's like this like this this flappy side where you just pull it in, then put the SD card in and pull and pull it back out and then fold it over the system again. Okay, kind of like the we use uh, yeah slot, it, like on the yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like that. Yes. Yeah, like that covers all the USB ports and stuff. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah, so there is some elements at the right side. Uh, the left side, there's still, of course, like the the volume button, which mm-hmm. I think is bloody terrible. Uh, <laughs> what uh, what kind of button is it? Just a slider, like just a it, 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 it's, it's a slider, but it's more engraved into the system. Mm-hmm. So you really have to put your finger down to push it up or push it push it down. Oh, okay. And it, it, it's it's kind of annoying. It's a bit of an annoying thing. I wonder if they did that so you didn't don't like accidentally brush it with your hand and, and easily turn it up or down. I don't know. Yeah, you kind of had that with the original 3DS, so I can see why that is, but it's yeah, uh, it's a it's a weird thing. Yeah. So let me think if there's anything else that I especially want to tell. Sure. Um. So the the, the screens are still vibrant on the thing. Um, I mean, I didn't have much of a difference there with I had with the other two systems. I mean, they're not feel cheaper or any, or any like cut out or anyway. 
um, they still feel like you can view them nicely, and it's still nice to watch, especially again with those uh, DS games now. It's just nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it doesn't have the bloody glass design of the original 3DS anymore, so that's a whole lot better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because the entire thing is matte now, which is a bit more similar to the 3DS XL. Right. Which makes it more like interesting option if you also don't kind of want that glass design of the original 3DS. Mm-hmm. If you still want a cheaper model, maybe the 2DS is something to look into. Yeah. Well, I know for me, if, if my daughter was like a couple years older, she's she's only one and a half now, that I would I would definitely be into this. Because mm. um, right now she'll she'll grab my 3ds and she like she knows how to turn it on and everything and she likes to sw- like she on the home menu she likes to swipe around and just move the icons around and stuff she doesn't really play anything but she just likes interacting <laughs> with it yeah but every time she she picks it up after she gets bored she'll just like slam it closed and then like rip it back open and I'm so afraid she's just gonna like tear the top screen off or something mm. um mm. so if she was a few years older I would definitely think about this for her I like it seems sturdier uh, for a kid. And I, I would definitely be interested in this. Oh, um, definitely. If, yeah. if I was ready to get her something like this. And it still has like the for like longer children. It still has all the the built-in games from inside the box. Mm-hmm. So like um, AR games, which why are the cameras still there? Mm-hmm. Not for the 3D pictures, like many people think. They are used to utilize that depth for the for the AR games. Oh, sure. Yeah, because that's that's kind of required. Mm-hmm. Um, face Raiders is still there. All of the inbuilt stuff is still there. So people will still have like stuff to do w- right from outside the box. And people who are completely new to that experience will have more to experience at the same time as well. Yeah. Which is a nice thing. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I don't know. Did you, did you have any closing thoughts or anything to leave off on? I mean... I don't know. You strike me as someone who's like maybe a little bit of a collector, so I could see I could see you picking this up. I do. Do you think you're going to get one? Um, that's a tricky situation. I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that kind of collector that likes to have too much of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, that's why one of the reasons I actually didn't buy a DSi XL. Oh, okay. Um, I did buy the 3DS XL because I kind of regretted like the first time around. Yeah. Um. With the 2DS, it's it's a weird thing. It, it's like not like something again. I would take with me on long trips, or maybe mm-hmm. on long trips, but not like on short ones, like going yeah. to like an appointment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but having like that more more the structured and weight feeling, I might use it for some a couple of games or for cartridge games and make it like a dedicated system for that end. Yeah. Um because like I'm more recently into like purchasing like versions digitally. Yeah, me too. So having that side of it on for just basically just cartridge games would actually be a quite nice option. Yeah. Um, well like you said, it seems like it'd be something nice to have at like to play games at home. Like I could see having this you know, like like setting on my end table, and when I want to play my 3ds, I just grab this thing and, and just and just go. Yeah, it's it's kind uh, it's kind of like the same with the gamepad. Just yeah, exactly. At the, sitting at the table and playing games with it. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel the same the same way about it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm long trips, it will be fine. When I'm just at home playing games, I possibly just at the office. I would be a nice thing to have because you can still put it down and have this curved edge, which you can still look nicely upon. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I would be interested in buying it. I mean, will I buy it at lunch? I don't know. Um, it's coming out directly after my birthday. 
<laughs> so um, that helps. <laughs> so it's it's coming four days after my birthday. Yeah. So yeah, I will perhaps buy it. It okay. doesn't seem like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I will do, I don't know. It depends really on a couple of things, mostly money. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems like a reasonable price, especially for people who got to step in and want to play some freaking Pokemon. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, great. Donna, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your thoughts about the Oh, thank PS. you for being here. Well, I, I am always here. <laughs> uh, if, you were, if you weren't here, I'd just be recording and talking to myself. Um, oh, come on. You wouldn't be. <laughs> that's true. I'd be, I don't know, playing something. It would be playing, just, you playing would, Rayman. You would be recording with uh, Neil and Zach, who are lovely people as well. And congratulations on 100 episodes. Oh, well, thank you very much, Don. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Uh, thank you for you've been a part of, of a good number of them. So thank you for coming on. You're always good on Jeopardy. You're sort of our, this, our this kind of this kind of feels like episode six, huh? All over again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we talked about that in episode 100. Yeah, that's one of oh, my favorites. Oh, really? I still haven't listened to that. Jeez. Yeah, in the 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 middle segment, we do a little like recap about disconnectivity as a whole. And I, I talk about that segment because I like that one a lot. Yeah, where we talked about uh, Super Mario 3D. Do you guys talk about Jeopardy? We do. Yeah. A little <laughs> because, bit. And we, because I always love Jeopardy. Yeah, you you and Pedro were like the, the studs of Jeopardy. I don't know if we ever had you guys play against each other. I'm not sure. Uh, I think the, like, the first time I was on, we actually played against one another. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I need to play some Jeopardy again. I love Jeopardy. Games. Yeah. Well, yeah, next time we do a game, I'll, I'll definitely get you on. Um, so yeah, you out there, the listener, if you have, uh, more questions or you're interested more about the 2DS, check out Don's impressions on Nintendo World Report. And um, there's actually even more than impressions. There's like photos and video stuff as well. Oh, awesome. So there you go. So there's a lot to check out. Uh, if your questions aren't answered here or in, uh, Dan's write-up, uh, be sure to, I don't know, send him an email or ask him a question on Twitter or any the, other the way. Weird, the weirdest question I actually got about 2DS, this is a sort of off thing, is like, does it have a place for a lanyard? <laughs> really? Yeah. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. So that's that's the weirdest question of the internet answered. It does have a space for your lanyard. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, Don, for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey everybody, Alex Kulafi here, and with me are two gentlemen to talk fresh off the presses with the new Pokemon Direct. These two people would be Joshua Max. How's it going, guys? And Danny Bivens. I guess I'm a Pokemaniac now. Oh yeah. Welcome to the fold. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we got three stories from this Pokemon Direct. Uh, all of them of varying levels of interest. And the first one, and perhaps the focus of the Pokemon Direct, is this new application called the Pokemon Bank. It is a cloud storage app for the 3DS that can store up to 100 boxes of Pokemon from X and Y. So basically, it was what that Pokemon box game on the GameCube did, but the new, improved 3DS version. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also an add-on called Pokemon Transporter, which includes connectivity to the later DS games. So Black, White, Black 2, White 2. Um, the cloud storage idea came from the development of Pokemon Crystal, Pokemon Bank requires an annual fee, except there is a trial period shortly after launch. Also, as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, I think that this is not going to be there for the launch of X and Y. Mm -hmm. Tell me, Joshua, you seem like you would be the most interested in this. What do you take away from it? To the cloud. Uh let's see. I I'm excited because this is in our last uh podcast I was saying like, you know. I'll download digitally if it's like, you know, if I can still transfer Pokemon from one game to another. So if I can do that for free for, you know, the first month that comes out, I'm happy. Like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm, you know, going to pay a monthly fee for this right now. I mean, maybe if I get, you know, that much more into it. But I'm only going to send, like, I don't know, like a handful of Pokemon through the generations that have been with me for a long time. So I'll probably, uh, I'll, I'll definitely take place in the trial period. Like, why not? But well, yeah, it, it's I, it's easier than any other transfer system that we've done before. So I'm very appreciative and excited about that. So it's good that for the early uh, adopters of X and Y that they can get all their Pokemon transferred. Presumably, assuming this uh, Pokemon transporter is free or extremely cheap. Um, but what about the people who buy X and Y down the line and they still want to transfer their Pokemon? Is from what I can tell, this thing basically makes it so for these later adopters, you cannot have every single Pokemon unless you pay extra money. And that is a little troubling to me. Well, hold on. Hold on. <clears throat> Any Pokemon Master is going to go out and get this thing day one. And if you're not a true Pokemon Master, you're going to get it day three or day five. Or, you know, I'm sure Pokemon understands that people get paid in weird intervals. So, they're... Inter intervals? That's not a real word. Uh, in weird intervals. So, they're going to probably keep this trial going for at least a month or so. And anyone who's, like, you know, that serious about the games where they have to, you know, transfer their Pokemon from game to game is probably going to get it in the first month or so. Yeah, but the or so is the big part. Like, not everyone has the ability to get Pokemon on day one. Sometimes there are the kids who do love every single Pokemon game, but they don't have the ability to get the game until Christmas, which is three months later. Right. So they're completely fucked, especially if their parents do not let them use any kind of credit credit card on the eShop. Okay, but, kids, who are listening? Gonna, well, uh, just to kind of clarify this a little bit, at least in Japan, and then from what I read in the North American press release, well, this it's, Pokemon Bank's coming out in Japan on Christmas Day, and... Um, the price is 500 yen, and that's for a year. That's like five bucks a year. But for the first boom, month, yeah, for the first month from January or from you know December 25th until January 31st, it's going to be free. So, and then I was taking a look at the North American press release, and it said, you know, hey, more details about the software, including a free trial period. 
are going to come to the you know official Pokemon website in the near future. So it's going to happen worldwide. This is going to be free, you know, for a little bit of time. So I mean, I don't think that's going to be a problem. If this is you know if this is coming out around Christmas, that is perfect. You know, for people, even kids that have to wait a little bit to get this. You're absolutely right. For what they have to do, if they do have to charge an annual fee, mm-hmm. uh, releasing it on Christmas, and I presume they're going to do it the same day worldwide because they have to, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's the smartest thing they can do, and it's probably the nicest thing they could do for them and the people buying Pokemon X and Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think there are going to be some people thrown under the bus because of this. Hey, hey, but you know what? We're not going to be of them. <clears throat> We're going yeah. to be people who are riding the bus with our pants off, doing a dance-off. Danny, got anything else to take away from this? Um, well, yeah, I, I don't un- honestly see why this would come out any later, like in the other regions. Christmas, I mean, that's just, a, like I said, that's just the perfect time. It just doesn't make any sense yep. for it to come out any other time. And, yeah, five bucks, you know, five euros, whatever the hell they're going to price it in the UK. I mean, it, you know, or even down under, who knows, $20 in Australia. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those poor guys. But, um, yeah. Okay, Uh, next up, we have a two-part news story, uh, specifically built for the nostalgia junkies among us, is that uh, while one of your friends will give you uh, the three starters from Pokemon X and Y, one of the three, um, the professor will actually be giving you a Kanto starter, which I presume is at the beginning of the game, which is Charmander, Bulbasaur, Squirtle. In addition to this, these guys Mega Evolve into Mega Charizard, Mega Venusaur, Mega Blastoise. Mega Blastoise has two cannons on his arm and one cannon on his back. Venusaur kind of just has a flower on his forehead and looks a little older. And Charizard looks like a dragon. Josh, again, for this story, this one looks like it's built for you. Yes, it is. So, okay, first of all, I do. I just remembered something, that I have to clear something up. In our last segment together, we said that it came out on October 11th on my birthday. October 12th. October 12th is the day after my birthday. So, Aww. yeah, so that makes me sad. You know, I thought one. that, I thought that, but I was thinking, well, you guys know more about Pokemon than me. <laughs> I guess not, Danny, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm the real Pokemon master. No, no. <laughs> guys, it's okay. I'm obviously... Very excited about this. I'm Dude, excited in more than one way, and if this podcast were visual, I would show you all how inappropriate I can be. <laughs> uh, I am totally aroused at the thought of having more than one starter at the beginning of the game, but I'm even more aroused by the fact that I can now have Blastoise Mega Evolve. And that it's just I'm like I'm I'm shaking. I mean, you can't see this, but my hand is like shaking. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> you get two starters, and you get like I'm gonna I'm gonna get the best of both worlds. Josh, <laughs> let me tell you why I'm not even at half mast for this note. Oh, you don't, so you don't even have half with, a stack. Not even halfway. So let me tell you what the story <laughs> on this is. You know how in black and white they had the three monkeys that basically made it so you could get a type of starter Pokemon and then the opposite type so the game would be a little easier. This is their version of that. This is their, oh, we need need some sort of natural easy mode for the player. And I I mean, I guess for some people it's exciting to get uh, old starters, which they have done in every single game. And the only difference is that now they can Mega Evolve, which, okay... 
and they oh oh shut up like you're not also at the like you're not the into the mega evolutions they look like fucking digimon josh they i know look like fucking I digimon <laughs> i have no problem with that uh, best of both worlds uh danny give me something interesting to talk about um yeah i like old pokemon uh so no i think it's kind of interesting that they're doing this i mean because i have more of a connection to these pokemon than anything else so yeah <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just, I wish it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that it was some, like, it was some little side Pokemon you could get at the beginning of the game from your friend instead of, like, allegedly a main Pokemon that you're getting from the professor. I know it's all a matter of context, but it, it just shows a little disrespect to the new starters, I think. Well, hey, 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 yeah. hey. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. So... Pokemon's just doing its best, man. They're trying to mix it up. Like, you know, you don't need to get your Pokemon from the professor every time. They're just trying to keep it edgy and hip and cool, man. Yeah, yeah. But they're prioritizing the value. It's That's what it feels like. Uh, I mean, you're not like wrong. Like, it does feel a little cheap in that you're, you know, I assume your best friend's an asshole because if he's not an asshole, he's not a best friend. So <laughs> you get you get the starter Pokemon from, from an asshole and then you get... You get the the original three from the from the uh, professor, so it's like I don't know. That does kind of feel like prioritizing that, like you know, you're gonna you might value one higher than the other. Kanto. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, man. Blastoise is tried and true as the best Pokemon ever, so Fennekin's gonna have to work pretty hard for this. Blastoise, as far as I'm concerned, isn't even in like one of the lower tiers, like in tournament brackets. Hey. Hey, it it hey. might be in the very bottom tier. Hey, hey. It might be the mouth. Ganondorf of the Pokemon world. You <laughs> shut your mouth. That's not even true. You shut your mouth. He's always going to be a sea falc. So the Mega Evolution, this stuff is pretty cool. Uh, Venusaur kind of looks like shit. It, kinda, it looks closer to a dinosaur, which I guess is interesting. Uh, Charizard looks kind of cool. It looks more like a dragon, though I wish it was dragon type. Mm-hmm. And Blastoise is, I definitely agree, the coolest looking one with three cannons instead of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, biologically speaking, I feel like two cannons on its back might be more efficient in battle. Uh, hold up. Hold up. You're yeah. wrong, and here's why. Okay. So, he can now punch someone, and then while punching... The little I I wish that you could see what I'm trying to explain, but I guess yes. As he Keep punches, going. he gets that 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 hydro pump going, and then he's like, "Oh wait, hold up! Um, there's somebody right in front of me, and I need to shoot them in the face." <laughs> Giant cannon. Think oh. of the recoil on that, though. Yeah, but also <laughs> remember he's Blastoise, so he's essentially magic. I was gonna <laughs> say, sp- speaking of biologically, I mean, how the hell does a turtle even get? You know, guns in his shell. Metal guns. <laughs> they got, they're not made out of bone. Yo, if they're made out of bone, then my mind is blown, and that is amazing. <laughs> He's like Wolverine, but with cannons. I guess so. I guess all of them are like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Who are all we right. to question the genius of Pokemon? I think there's a lot of things that can be questioned about the genius of Pokemon. <laughs> nope, you shut up. Nope. Um, so the last story today, which is in my opinion, the least interesting, but maybe also interesting in its own way, is that the red and blue Nintendo 3DS XLs have been announced for North America and in Europe, which is uninteresting because this was going to happen to begin with. They feature Xerneas and Eveltal on them, uh, both of them except one's blue and one's red, 
And because it releases on September 27th, I don't know if this is news, but the games aren't included. They aren't included? Uh, yeah, they are not included. Yeah, that's what I was... Yeah, for a second I thought you stu- you muttered it at something, and I'm like, what? Wait, wait, do I need to get running right now to Best Buy? No, no, no. They're not going to release the game two weeks early just as part of a bundle, Josh. Hey, man, I don't question Pokemon, all right? I just accept and build. So I'm guessing this isn't like of much interest to you, Danny. Uh, no, actually, I just coincidentally I just bought a, a North American 3DS XL like last week. <laughs> oh. So uh, I mean that's fine. I I wanted one just for stuff for the site and just to you know play a bunch of downloadable stuff that hasn't come out here in Japan. But no, and actually too, I believe pre-orders have already started for two of the XLs here in Japan. I think one is almost the same, and then the, there's like a blue one and a gold one. Um, I'm kind of fuzzy on the details, and I just looked at it like literally 15 minutes ago, and I still don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but. I think it's like Pokemon Center exclusive bullshit or something like that, where it's just, that's fucking stupid. But Yeah, I feel like you can describe almost everything about the Pokemon Center in that way. Oh, uh, God, man. I, don't even get me started. <laughs> I want you to get started. We, we're only like 13 minutes through. I want to hear your Pokemon Center well, rant. I mean, you know, okay. If the first thing that really gets me is, well, you know, back when Pokemon Rumble U came out in Japan, like, the, the characters, the NFC characters, are only available at, I guess, essentially like, uh, you know, little coin machines at the Pokemon Center, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean... Also, before you continue, uh, we should note that Pokemon Center is basically their Nintendo World store in Japan. It has a bunch of Pokemon stuff in it that you can buy. Yeah. yeah, that's You know, Nintendo World store used to be the Pokemon Center in New York. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've never been to either. I've never been to the Pokemon Center anywhere. I've never been to the Nintendo World store in New York, um, from Illinois, so... Boom, <laughs> but, but no, and then Self just like boom, all right, <laughs> yeah, and then you know I think I think when the Pika Nip 3DS XL came out last year, and you know <laughs> <laughs> it was the same thing. It's just like, hey, let's just make this exclusive in the Pokemon Center. It's just, man, come on, have a heart. <laughs> but I guess that's about it, really. It's not that big of a rant. Okay, uh, Josh, uh, are you buying this? All right, well, let me let me break this down for you guys. So. September 27th rolls around. I wake up, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed. I'm ready to go. I run down to my local Best Buy. I didn't put down a reservation. I, didn't, you know, I, I expect it to just be there. And then I pick it up, and I finally have this 3DS XL. But I don't play it. I keep it in its box. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it out with me. I'm going to go out on a date with it. I'm going to show it a good time. We're going to color in some coloring books. We're going to go on a Ferris wheel together. I'm How old is your date? Wine. What? How old is your date supposed to be? Probably well, zero days old. Yeah, she's brand new, baby. Like, <laughs> okay. she's, I haven't even opened the box yet. Okay. His 3DS is essentially a fetus. Yeah, well, not a fetus. It's a newborn. Let's it's call it what fetus. it is. Okay. It's a fetus. You newborn. haven't opened it yet. Listen, I don't date fetuses, all right? I date newborns. Okay, well, I'm glad you, you Shut your that mouth. Up. You shut your mouth. <laughs> hey, well, excuse me. Excuse me. I, I prefer the term alcoholic but let's move on uh so this got weird uh i'm not gonna yeah, buy it. yeah i'm not gonna buy it uh i don't usually buy any like new like version exclusive kind of things or not doesn't make sense i don't buy any of the special edition things the only special edition thing i bought was a skyward sword motion plus remote um because that was so cool but i don't really care about this at all I wish I could, but I'm not rich. I'd pay rent. 
I mean, and if you think about it, I'm looking at this on Cerebi right now, and it is basically the red 3DS XL and the blue 3DS XL, but they etched something into it. I mean, now, that's, that's cool. It's not $200 cool uh, to me, at least. In, in all honesty, I'd, be, I'd sooner buy a Fire Emblem uh, 3DS XL. That one looks like it has a little more work put into it. Yeah, and plus, you know, I just, I love Fire Emblem right now. I mean, I always do, but Awakening is like, it's it's reached like gold and silver status in my mind. So, you know, actually speaking of Fire Emblem Awakening, that is the game, the first game I bought for my North American 3DS. And You're I doing still, it right. You're doing it right. I, but I still haven't played it. And I got it on Saturday. And it's Wednesday. Oh, yeah, you're still doing I don't care. Right. You got it. Like, you can do it. Like, uh, wait a month. I don't give a shit. As long as you play it, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I, okay. could, I could not have reviewed this game for the site because I would have given it an 11 out of 10 and broken the site. <laughs> Alright. So I think we should give this a standard conclusion and ask both of you guys, uh, starting with you, Danny, final thoughts? Uh, Pokemon Box? Not Box. Pokemon Bank. <laughs> I, think yeah. it's, I think it's a cool idea and I think you know it can be something that's pretty useful for people especially you know with the transport thing where you can transfer all your old crap it doesn't mean shit to me because i don't have any old pokemon games that support it but i know i know there's tons of people out there and you know for the free month or whatever that's awesome that's great anything else on the other stuff uh (laughs) josh what do you have to say um uh, box, cool, gonna use it for free, and then I'm never gonna see it again. Uh, excited about doing Fennekin and Squirtle, I think it's gonna be an awesome tag team, they're gonna be best friends, I'm already thinking of cool nicknames for both of them, uh, because I'm that guy, and I'm never gonna buy a special edition, uh, 3DS unless somebody gives it to me for free. Alright, so, I guess for my part of this, I'm, I, this is probably gonna spawn into something a little more. But I was really bummed out by this Nintendo Direct, and let me tell you why. This news is cool for a press release. This news is cool stuff to report on the site, or something just casually released. But what they did was, they hyped this up the day before, they made it for the middle of the day while people are at work in Europe, at the beginning of the day so people have to set their alarms in America, and at yeah. night right before people are, are going to bed in Japan. Actually, like which the, is fine. It, it was like the perfect time in Japan, like 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> it's fine if uh, the news is there to support it, and there was a couple cool announcements, but all we really got for uh, maybe tuning in at work or setting our alarm for 7 a.m. or even 4 a.m., is a paid cloud application to the cloud uh, more mega evolutions and a feature that has been in previous games before getting old starters and also the most obvious announcement they could have been there was no surprise 3d trailer at the end there was no crazy awesome demo there was no pokken fighters announcement all we got were three really basic stories and you know what? The 3DS and the three uh, starters, that sounds like something they stuffed into the Direct to make it more interesting. And I, it seems really inconsiderate, and I'm really kind of upset at Nintendo <laughs> for making a full Direct out of this. Yeah, I, I know, because right before the Direct happened, maybe 30 minutes before, I saw, I was like, hey, this thing's going to be 20 minutes long. That's great. Because <laughs> usually it seems it seems to me if there's anything of like any substance it's gonna be it's gonna usually be like thirty five forty minutes. The so. X and Y announcement was eight minutes. Uh, <laughs> well, there goes my theory. 
<laughs> Keep going, Danny. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> I'm out of gas. <laughs> so are we just going to end this on a bummer note, Josh? Hey, guys, this is what I got to say. If okay. you're not aroused by the sounds of our voices talking about Pokemon, you're doing something wrong with your life. So get up, get yourself a cup of coffee if it's the morning, get yourself a sandwich for the afternoon or some tea in the uh, evening. Uh, uh, Cuddle up in bed and love us because someone has to. (laughs) Okay. But the direct was still pretty shit, though. (laughs) All right, so that'll do it for today. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for joining me, Danny and Josh. Yeah, no problem. You have been listening (sighs) to the official Nintendo World Report Connectivity Pokemon crew. See you later, guys. Later. shop game and i'm here with nicholas hey hey how are you doing i'm quite good how are you i am good for it is quite warm today it's roughly 30 degrees celsius here so it yeah. uh fully barely feels like the correct timing to do an interview but i'm just pushing the punches and doing it anyway right sounds great yeah so um so could you give like a proper introduction of yourself and uh, what you do? Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I make indie games. Uh, usually, I've been working in like on my own in or in very small teams of like friends and stuff. And mm-hmm. somehow, I managed to make a living of it, which is very weird. Yes, you've worked on a variety of games, including some even some freeware and some like a variety of other places. Um, yeah. Could you give me like an overview of some of your favorite projects, really? Uh, well, I guess it's very hard to pick favorites. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I like different games for different reasons. I'm uh, like my latest game, Knut Underground, is probably my most personal game in many ways. But I also really like Night Sky for like all the 
puzzly stuff that the game has in like the physics or I really like uh, the first Knit game just for the very empty world with like not much going on and like that minimalism so it's different things I guess in different games so it's it's not like that you have a favorite it's just like you like different games that you make for different reasons and they all feel like on the similar level uh, yeah I would I would say that yes so it's yeah almost accurate <laughs> I'm not sure how to put it better which is fair enough um so, people on Nintendo platforms might remember, like, in the 3DS eShop game, which you just mentioned, is Night Sky. Um, yeah. This game was released, I think, in 2012? Yes. That's sounds game. about right. That yeah. sounds about right, yeah. Uh, this game was, like, a, a physics-based platformer, and I, it was one of those titles that I actually really enjoyed playing. Um, oh, thank you. No problem. So, like, Night Sky had a long development history behind it, right? Yeah, it uh, was a bit complicated, but it all worked out very nicely in the end. Yeah, so it, I think it started like as like a PC game, then it came also was going to WiiWare, but then it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. And then it came to PC, which I, I think I played also back then on PC. I can't, I can't remember it, not correctly. I, f- I think I did. And then, yeah. and then I played it again on the go on my 3DS, which... Um, Looked lovely in 3D, by the way. It was a really oh, lovely thanks. game. Um, so, what I enjoyed personally about that game is how the screens were separated yet connected. Um, yeah. It always made you wonder about what is next. And it, and it played like really well in your senses because it was this really abstract world. Yeah. Um, was that something you found really important to bring to the table? Or... Was there another reason you wanted to toy with like the elements of that game? Uh, I think uh, it's actually kind of silly. I didn't really have a lot of like it, ideas. It was just like I would say Night Sky started out as some physics experiment that just escalated. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to learn to do physics stuff and uh, started to like. I've always liked. Uh, marble games like Marble Madness and stuff like that and mm-hmm. always wanted to make an isometric one but back then I didn't know how to do anything in a 3D platform so I wanted to test just for fun the concept on in 2D and just uh, learned about like how to make a marble roll and uh, built some levels and added some objects and I guess it just kind of got bigger and bigger until I realized it was my next big game. Yeah, I think originally you you were on a completely different physics engine and then you moved it to a completely different one during the development, really. So it's uh, not uh, for the, the not for the PC development. Mm. Oh wait, maybe maybe it was based on. I don't can't remember if it was based on Box 2D first, and then we switched to Chipmunk because it was. I sorry, I can't remember all the details. That's fine. That's that's completely fine. Yeah. Um, so it 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 was a game for me like really worth remembering because that style. So the style like became like was an afterthought, and you first thought of the gameplay ideas first in your head, um, yeah. which I I guess took like a really long time to do or was it like you first turned around with it and then it became and then it became this big thing from yeah this is something i should complete 
uh, I think the original plan when I started to see that this would be a quite fun game was uh, I got I was also in contact with Asthmatic Kitty Records at the same time uh, uh, who wanted me to make a game with one of their musicians and I had got in touch with Chris Larb. Our idea was only to make uh, a smaller game with like free worlds or something like that. And then I think when uh, Nikalis got involved and uh, wanted to bring the game to more consoles, that's when uh, I started to like consider maybe this could be a much bigger game. Maybe there's much more mechanics to explore with physics. Mm-hmm. And then at, at Endly it became Night Sky, which we now know and all in love. Yeah. Really. Um, so as we move into like Knit Underground, this is not the first game you have released under the Knit name. Um, no. How does this all start out and what made you actually like decide to revisit these games? Um, trying to remember, it kind of happened slowly. Uh, I think I wanted to go back to just create a very non-linear huge world mm-hmm. which could be open, uh, which could be explored freely. So it just started out as like a huge level design project. I think it even started out just as this experiment. I wanted to see what would happen if you could uh, morph at any any time between the character from the Knit game and the character from the Within the Deep Forest game. Hmm. And that turned out to be a mechanic that I really, really liked and wanted to keep building on. Yeah, so the f- the thing is about like Knit Underground is that in the first chapter you get like introduced to a character called Miss Prockett. And then yeah. in the second chapter, you get introduced to like a character called Bob, which both yeah. have their differences. So in like the first two chapters, you place them separately. Um, yeah. So how do you progress then through those first two chapters? What do you learn, and how similar were they to like the uh, like the initial games that they were based on? Uh, they're a bit similar. Like I would say, chapter one is very close to. Uh, maybe the first uh, more linear adventure in Knit Stories, where yeah. uh, the second chapter is a, a lot like Within a Deep Forest, but more linear. Yes. And I guess the reason for the linear level designs of the first two chapters is because I want to uh, ensure that the player gets like all the mechanics before like I open the entire world where they can... like. Just to make sure they don't get stuck and there's something they don't know, because in chapter three the player may just go anywhere and then I cannot control the progression of when they learn anything anymore. Yes, because um, I actually wanted to bring up chapter three. In chapter three you bring those two characters together and then the game opens up in like a very interesting way. I don't know if we want to spoil like too much because we are like telling this to people who have not played the game yet. Um, but what makes like chapter three look like so inherently different from like the first two, and where will it take people really? Uh, first, of course, it's the size of it. Uh, chapter three is bigger than chapter one and two. I mean, lot, lot, lot bigger. Yeah. And uh, 
also it's more I guess more story elements are introdu introduced and the game kind of tries to dig into the quirky story which is told in a very fragmented way about yeah uh, the like uh, the world and the people who live there mm -hmm. and the, like the background of the game is also kind of interesting because it's based on your past and the way that you were raised religiously i believe yeah yeah and uh... yeah and and since then you formed like your own beliefs and in it on the ground, you try to make, I believe, make sense of the world. Yeah. Um, can, you and they, yeah. can you talk about your feelings on this a bit more? Uh, yeah, so, no, basically I'm raised in a religious family. Like, not, not a crazy one. Yeah, uh, fair enough, yeah. But uh, church was still pretty bad quite often. Like, it's not very nice believing in this thing that we're right about something and everybody else who doesn't know yeah. what we know go to hell and like weird things like that and it's like a lot of talk about like everybody's equal value when uh, they at the same time held, held very like conservative beliefs about stuff like that in church mm -hmm. and but the the weird uh, contrast between like picking like my whole, my whole belief system apart and ending up where I am now as an atheist. Problem is I'm super scared of dying and like things that back then I was completely okay with. So suddenly I have like new fears and like have to uh, process all that stuff too. And uh, I kind of wanted to make a game about uh, I wanted to make it kind of a metaphor for like how I guess we all try to make sense out of the world mm -hmm. and how everybody can, so, sort of comes to different conclusions and stuff like that. Yes, it, it is, um, it's kind of true for life. Everybody comes to an all different conclusion. So it, yeah. do, people, so, do you feel like people have a different takeaway from the game in that respect when they um, uh, look back at the game and see from, well, this is how I feel upon it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard uh, I've heard people who interpret the stuff very differently. Like uh, some people would think I'm taking a standpoint to like either one of the sides. Uh, some Christians have responded to me like seeing Christian values in it, but while some other people really think I'm like just very super negative to all of it and. Uh, I guess that's a point also, like if mm. if it makes people think, but like if uh, I don't tell any answers, but just ask the questions that I'm asking myself, if that makes sense. Yes. So, so try and make it work for yourself gives you answers from outside who actually have played the game and maybe give you a different perspective on it, which is sort of interesting in its own right. It's definitely interesting, but uh, I guess the only thing, if if I somehow made a game to look for answers, that didn't work. Like yes, I'm yes. Probably even more confused now than I was before. True, but uh, yeah, it, it it it's kind of of both. I I guess in that sense, I reckon. Yeah. Um, so what I also like about the game, and I've looked like for a good while at it, it's like. The game has a very fresh and lush look to it. 
Um, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you get your inspiration from, and what made you actually go in that direction? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, usually, I find like with visuals, the inspiration can be from very sudden stuff, just from things I see, like pictures I like, or some colors that I see when I'm out in some forests. It's uh, uh, for the visuals. It's so many things. Uh, the reason why it's based on photographs is because I really, I really prefer going outside and finding a tree to capture than sitting in front of my computer and drawing a tree when, yeah, like the rest of the game development is in front of the computer almost. True. So that's that's the reason for the photographing, uh, but. Uh, with visual inspirations, it's a lot of small things rather than like anything really big I can point at. Fair enough. So the game um, is going to be released by Ripstone. Um, yeah. on, and it was also released before on PlayStation platforms and therefore also on PC by your own, I believe? Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, Windows, Mac and Linux builds yeah. and uh, they're going to make it out on Steam soon. Oh, that's very that's very great. Um, so the game is also now coming to Wii U. Um, is there yeah. any way that these versions like differ from before? And if if there is any way that they differ, how do they? Uh, I guess mainly what's new for the Wii U version is that uh, uh, there's this update of the game where we put in more content and more like extra stories. Uh, which see. is called the which is called the Infinity Hype update, and all the content from that is making it into the Wii U release. That's great. So uh, this is also coming to the other platforms, I reckon. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, roughly at the same time, we might be might be seeing also like the Wii U release, although that's still like up in the air, really. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure of all the plans because. Uh, I think Ripstone is managing most of those, but which is so I can yeah I can't say a hundred percent when things will happen. Hey, I can always ask them. Um, yeah. So your next game is coming to Wii U, and it's actually re- um, revealed in an interview we did with Knapna Games like a little while ago, um, which are also lovely people. What made you decide to work with them? Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, uh, basically, the reason why I moved to Denmark was because I met these people at the Game Jam and uh, we just really liked each other and had lots of fun and mm-hmm. um, play games and stuff. And uh, uh, even, even though uh, we haven't made games together until now, uh, I've been sitting a lot and working at the Knapnock office. Um, and I guess we're just really good friends, and uh, I like their crazy hardware-specific games, and uh, they like my games, and it just made a lot of sense to work together. Mm-hmm. So, is there any way that you like can give us a teaser or what you're going to do? I mean, it doesn't really have to be specific because I know that there were like screenshots promised by the end of the year. I believe, yeah. in the last uh, interview we did, but I'm really ex- just excited to learn more, really. Yeah, um, yeah. figure out how I, can, how I should put it. I shouldn't reveal too much without no, no, like, no, no. Uh, Knapnok's permission, but uh, 
so the reason it's for the Wii U is that uh, actually when I heard about the Wii U for the first time, uh, the fact that it would have a separate touchscreen with a built-in controller, I got quite excited because there's... Uh, okay, you know the old game Steel Battalion for, I think it's the first Xbox? Yes. It came, came with this huge controller that's... Oh yeah, that was, that was a really expensive controller. Yeah, so it's just designed for that specific game and I guess it's kind of tricky to... Um, sell something like that since you need to sell the hardware but the game essentially makes wouldn't be possible to play without like having all these buttons and stuff mm-hmm. I guess what the Wii U did by having a separate touchscreen and a controller at the same time was that it opened up for a new like I would say that kind of games where you can have a more advanced control system and menu and uh, like control a complicated device hmm. uh, at the same time as not pausing the game. Yes. Um, and like not have to clutter up what's happening in the game with uh, a lot of like elements that pop up in the way on the screen. Hmm. And uh, so I started to think about what kind of games would be really excellent with uh, this kind of hardware and what would work specifically really well for the Wii U. And then I came up with this idea. Okay. That. So that's that's kind of your, your tease. So you are thinking of, of more using like advanced control styles that, that the Wii U gamepad makes possible in your own favor, really. Yeah. Hmm. You're making me more interested now. That's a good <laughs> that's a very good tease there. Thank you very much. Ah, you're welcome. Ooh, I, I can't. Oh, I'm kind of super interested now. Um, what made you actually kind of interested in working on Nintendo systems? Because again, Night Sky was originally a WiiWare game, then it came to 3DS. Uh, Net Underground is now coming to Wii U, and your next game is coming to Wii U. What makes you like and then actually interested in Nintendo systems? The funny thing is that most of it happened a little bit by. It's. Uh, when it comes to the Wii, you know, the, the like the 3DS thing, that was like uh, an initiative taken by uh, Tyrone at Nicalis. Okay. And uh, the initiative to get uh, Knut Underground out on the Wii U was taken by Ripstone. So, uh, to me, in both of these cases, it was more like uh, publishers being like, hey, do you want to bring it to this console? and uh, I'm just like, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't say I've taken a strong personal interest. Uh, like until now, it has been more just opportunities that um, I would gladly take. Uh, but for this game, I would say it's the first time I'm specifically interested in a certain console, and that's just because the unique controller. Mm-hmm. So it was maybe it, it's more that. Because the interest shift because of these publishers that you're like that you have taken like an interest in the Wii U and say from hmm okay now I see this controller maybe we should do something with it yeah yeah so there is formed a certain interest there but it's only just growing you with this new game I guess yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. but I'm I'm always happy to get uh, games out on consoles like that's always really cool stuff so yeah. There's, there's always fun to be had there. Yeah. Um, 
So finally, and this is something that we always do, is that we give developers like a chance to pitch their game in like a minute. Uh, so I don't know how you want to take it, but um, you have like 60 seconds to talk to our audience directly and say why they should be interested in Knit Underground. No, so I would say you should play Knit Underground because it's like, it's if you like exploring a really, really huge world that's like full of variety and like lots of music and stuff, uh, you should definitely do it because like I really went, it's bigger than you think and has a very weird quirky story where I try to figure out the meaning of life and fail. So and, that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's a quite quick description in 30 seconds. I'll take that. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, all what rests me is to thank you for being on this interview. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Oh, thank you uh, for doing the interview stuff. No problem. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget, you can send your listener mail questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, and please rate and review the show on iTunes if you've got a moment. <laughs>